Hello, I'm Samantha Teak, and you're listening to the first episode of the Gourmet Traveller podcast, Set Menu. Today, our chief restaurant critic, Pat Nurse, has his own work critiqued by Chef Mark Best. What trend are you hating most right now? Oh, have we got a spare episode for this? These are my most stimulating conversations all, with all. you. I love it. <laughs> we visit Melbourne to talk to the dedicated pastry fans in line at Loon. Why these croissants? Because they're the best. <laughs> and finally, from Sydney's Fred's, we set chef Danielle Alvarez and Samilia Caitlin Rees the task of interviewing each other. Who would play Justin Hems in a movie? Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Dead ringer. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Best is the former chef and owner of the award winning Mark, but he's between restaurants right now after winding up 17 years at Mark last year. Pat Nurse is the editor of the Gourmet Traveller Restaurant Guide. On the eve of this year's awards, we turned the tables and asked the chef to interview the critic. Hi, Pat. Hi, Mark. (laughs) To what degree do you think that the accolades you hand out have a hand in uh, the choices um, of those that follow? That's a great question. I I would love to think that they have a positive effect. Um, I was just exchanging emails today with with Ben Shuri, the chef from Attica mm. in Melbourne, and um, he I'm was aware of him. You've you've heard of him, yeah. Um, he was saying that he's been at every Gourmet Traveler Restaurant Award since 2007, and in 2007 we gave Ben the Best New Talent Prize, yeah. Um, and he said that changed the way he thought about his job. And I think if you look at his career trajectory since 2007, you could say that maybe it's changed it for the better. Mm. Um, on the other hand, I have I remember the first conversation I ever had with um, Maggie Beer, and she's not not someone I know well, mm. um, but I love the sound of her voice. Hi, Maggie. Um, this is many years ago, and I remember saying, "Hi, Maggie. I'm you know I'm Pat Nurse, you know, big admirer. I love Verjuice." And she said, "Where do you work?" And I said, "I work for Gourmet Traveler magazine." And she said, "Oh," and she said, "You you gave me a nervous breakdown." I said, "I see." She said, "The year." Gourmet Traveller made Pheasant Farm, mm. Maggie's restaurant, restaurant of the year. It yeah. gave her a nervous breakdown. People after the award were landing their helicopters, mm. you know, on the property. And it um, drove her to close the restaurant, and she hasn't had a restaurant since, or no. not a restaurant of that style. So it's a spotlight, I guess, and how people react to that spotlight is hard to predict i mean we we don't make these decisions lightly i mean we'll we try to put as much sure. thought into it as we can but it, it's it's i mean you're a man of exemplary taste in my opinion particularly in interview candidates in- <laughs> the choices that you make the people that you choose to follow the where you eat you know is widely followed and um and I guess where, say, in the Michelin Guide, you know, have people cooking for stars. Do you think that happens here to a certain extent? I mean, we try to screen against that. Mm. Like when we're instructing our reviewers on what to look for, mm. we don't, you know, want to specify grams per square inch on menu thickness and mm. things like that. We don't want to see this many prawns per entree per dollar. Mm. Um, it's a matter of feel. And it's a matter of, like, who we select to do the reviewing as well, I think. But at the same time... What I'm careful of is um, confusing what I like with what's good. Mm. Um, There's a real style, though, to the Gourmet Traveller reviews. I mean, obviously, you know, it's someone's voice and um, it's probably the editor's voice, which is you, who's, you know, trying to, 
I guess, shape the way things are told. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, mm. I read every review. I put a red pen through every review, and I want it to have a mm. voice and a direction. Mm. Um, probably more with the tone of the way the restaurants are reviewed mm. rather than the way we pick dishes in restaurants because, yeah. you know, my taste isn't necessarily your taste. But um, I was reading a Hollywood scriptwriter the other day who said that he thought it was important in action movies that uh, the action scripts be action-driven in that you don't have bits of exposition, mm. then bits of action, then bits of exposition. And at the risk of drawing a long bow, I think a good restaurant review does the same thing. It doesn't go, here's an assertion, here's a cut paste of a few things you'll find mm. on the menu, tumpty tumpty tum, save room for dessert, it was nice. You know, yeah. that's that's the sort of what I call the what I did on my holiday school of restaurant reviewing. I want to see the reviewer give you a snapshot of the restaurant mm. that makes an argument mm. and then uses tellingly observed detail to back up that case. What trend are you hating most right now? Oh, have we got a spare episode for this? Um, These are my most stimulating conversations all, with all you. I love the, <laughs> I love the negative. I mean, one of my all-time hates is restaurants where they decide on the colour of the curtains first and the food second. Is there a sort of like a, a visceral response to some establishments when you walk in, either love or loathe them? Early on when I first started reviewing restaurants, I used mm. to have to review a lot of restaurants mm. a week, and I, I still do, but mm. generally because I work for Gourmet Traveller, I have a mm. pretty good opportunity to screen out the bad ones. Like I, yeah. There's so many good restaurants to review now that you can, as a reviewer... You're in the golden age of well, choice, right? yeah, I mean, things things were lean in the, yeah. the early no noughties. You had to pretty much review everything that came along, whereas... In 2017, if, if something obviously a lot looks of like a Moncur reviews, if something yeah, obviously well, looks like a dog, yeah, you know, you can leave it and it'll die of its own accord. You know, yeah. you don't need to help it along with the hospital. It's so sort yeah. of a Cheech and Chong approach to I, <laughs> restaurant I don't, appraisal. I don't smoke restaurants, but that, that said, I mean, <laughs> you, I got really good when I first started out at getting up and leaving restaurants yeah. before I'd ordered. Like you sit down because you then you could write menu. nothing nasty about them. Well, no, just because it's a waste of time. Yeah, you know, and and. While going to um, bad theatre can corrode your soul, mm. I have to eat this bad food. Mm. No, my what you see before you, this this Adonis-like figure that's behind mm. the microphone here, this these fingernails, this hair and teeth. I, I feel you've made, made a hair, deal with Dr. Faustus long ago. This right. is made right. of you know a whole <laughs> bunch of nineteen uh, early two thousands pork belly and scallops. This is a whole lot of wood sorrel and and. Uh, you know, uh, goat's curd from the mid-noughties. Mm. You know, mm. right now you're seeing a whole lot of things. Pomegranate molasses. Pomegranate molasses and things cooked over I fire. came through the pesto years where <laughs> everything was pesto, <laughs> including rosemary, which hey, is not good. Focaccia's back, my yeah. best. Why did focaccia go away? I don't know, because focaccia is where it's at. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So we're sort of in the middle of review, uh, sorry, awards season here. You know, there'll be some old veterans who expect you know, to be garlanded with stars and ribbons as their due. But there'll also be some young players who are new to the game who, you know, might be a bit mm. dazzled by the, the spotlight. Have you got any advice for them on how to how to play this, how to parlay it into better things? Or I see a lot of young chefs questing cash, uh, which is a mistake, and, and stardom as well, which is also a mistake. And I think that you need to concentrate on their craft and I would advise them to concentrate on their customer and their customer's response to that craft. Um, I see a lot of people questing accolades, 
when you're it, you know, that spotlight is shining on you. I mean, it's uh, there's nothing like it, but when it leaves, I tell you, there's nothing colder. There's the dark side of Mars. And uh, I think the young guys and gals have to prepare for that. You attended the 2016 Gourmet Traveller Awards having closed Mark or announced mm. your intention to close Mark, so you mm. were not up for any awards. And I remember you saying to me at the time that you enjoyed it far more than any other awards ceremony because you weren't there eating your liver, I think was your phrase. I mean, yeah. what's the experience like when you're, you know... It's the fact that there was so much riding on it, not just ego, not just reputation, but, you know, your house. When you have your um, house mortgaged to the limit to support your vision, your dream, um, these these things matter. So when, when they're given, you build up, and when they're taken away, it has a real impact. And it's know. tricky as well because it's those restaurants at the top end of the game... Mm that are the most expensive to do mm. and that are most affected by restaurant reviews. My partner would say that in business there's no better ROI than in a restaurant um, when they work. And that was, the, <laughs> that was it, when they work. So, the you know, killer asterisk. <laughs> what have you learned about keeping customers coming back? I would hate to think of ever having to dumb anything down to make people come back. You know, I've always been one that I would make these decisions where I'd know that I would lose uh, a tranche of my customers, but only if I was confident that Even I was going to replace Even saying tranche it. then just lost you some customers. <laughs> so, yeah, as long as I was confident that I was going to be able to replace them with a new audience. Um, Does that seem wise? It's not wise, no. It's not wise at all. The best customers are the ones that you have. So yeah. will you, in in your next restaurant venture that isn't on a ship, will you approach that differently, do you think? Um, I think I need to approach it with more hospitality uh, in terms of actually engaging the people that are there um, trying not to be quite so didactic. I mean, you often hear people use the dinner party uh, analogy when they're talking about restaurants they say you shouldn't say no when a customer asks for some salt or asks for some whatever they mm. you know some restaurateurs say if i have it in the restaurant i will give it to you i'm pretty much at that point now in terms of if it can be achieved without disrupting anyone else then give it to them remember the way that chefs used to treat vegetarians 10 or 15 mm. years ago mm. it seems faintly ludicrous now i mean i saw it as an opportunity you know the customer wasn't the enemy how many years into the, your work did oh, that revelation yeah, like, strike you? Probably a decade. You know, <laughs> Let's keep fighting the good fight, Mark Best. Indeed. Onward and upward. Infinity and beyond. <laughs> I told him, you have to try it. These croissants are so good, they draw a queue before dawn. <laughs> what time did you get here to be at the front of this queue? 7.20. 7.20 a.m.? Yeah. <laughs> the New York Times described them as possibly the finest you'll find anywhere in the world. Why these croissants? Because they're the best. <laughs> Pat Nurse joins the line at Loon in Melbourne. I've had some of the chocolate ones before. I'm looking for something savoury, maybe. Something sweet, something savoury. Yeah. What is it about these croissants that's worth queuing for? Oh, they're pretty damn good. <laughs> Crispy on the outside, soft on the inside, yeah. just like... And creamy and just... Yeah. yeah. It's good. It's a good treat. So, for those of us who haven't done the before, 
You guys are obviously pros. <laughs> What's the pro tip here? What's the system? Don't get here like too late. Yeah. Some of the flavors run out. So. Yeah. Uh, my sister and her husband are in town, so I'm going to take some croissants around for breakfast. What's so good about them for the uninitiated? Not too sure. They're like it's just the, it's not like eating a bit of bread like like you get from a. Um, other place that sells Christmas, like they're just, and obviously the interior is pretty spectacular. You're listening to Gourmet Traveller's Set Menu. Fred's is one of the most likeable restaurants in Sydney, and Danielle Alvarez, one of the most likeable chefs. We invited her and her sommelier, Caitlin Rees, to play a round of a pretty straightforward game we call Questions from a Cocktail Shaker. Okay, Caitlin, we're here with Gourmet Traveler. We're going to answer some questions from the cocktail shaker. What's your go-to hangover meal? Ooh, um, dumplings, I think, when it all comes out in the carts and you're just going for it. It's fast. Like, oh, as quickly as you can get it in your mouth. And like even the, the chicken feet, chewing on those and, and Singtao beer, I feel like that cures everything. That's a good one. You? This is embarrassing, but in Bellevue Hill, where I live, there's a institution chicken shop called mm-hmm. Pluma Road Chicken. Yeah. And like rotisserie chicken and fries from mm. Pluma Road Chicken Shop delivered. Yum. That's a good time with a hangover. What do you love most about your job? The best part is definitely service, definitely looking after customers and guests. And when you can really read them and deliver a beautiful wine that they are really happy with and you have that connection for a couple of hours in the night with a stranger, that's really, really awesome and keeps me going. What's the most dramatic moment you've ever had working in a restaurant? I was working at Chez Panisse and we were, it was a Monday night dinner, which are a bit faster, a little more casual. And I was cooking paella in the fireplace. Like you don't make one, test it and then keep going the first one you make is the first one you serve and was my first time doing it I had put all this wood under the paella pan and didn't notice that it was just cooking away and completely burned in the center it was a rabbit paella didn't cook the rabbit all the way through and Alice walked in for dinner like last minute just like out of the blue and didn't no warning we actually didn't even really realize how bad it was until we served her because she was the first oh, one. No. She came back and just like basically threw the plate <sighs> in my face. And, you know, yeah, it was so awful. I still remember like the pain of having to turn around and like just keep on and like keep the night going and not, you know, I wanted to crawl into a hole and just die. God. I haven't burnt one since, so that's <laughs> good. <laughs> I learned my lesson. <laughs> But yeah, that was awful. Who would play Justin Hems in a movie? Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> Dead ringer. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, for the looks, yes. I think he would have to put on a different accent, though. Oh, yeah. He couldn't have that, like, Southern American <laughs> yeah. thing. Because Justin's got a bit of an English yeah. accent. Like, he's got... Very proper. Yeah. Yeah. I like... He's got a nice voice. But I feel like that would be a really good one. Right? Matthew yeah. McConaughey? Yeah, definitely. I can just picture it. Like the tan and the hair. <laughs> yeah, it's the hair. Yeah. 
If you were forced to compete in a reality TV program, would you choose MasterChef, Survivor, or The Voice? Definitely MasterChef. It's a process of elimination, though, because I have the worst voice, (laughs) really, and I'm not saying that to put myself down like it's terrible. And Survivor, I mean, you know me. Forget it. I know I would not. I can barely even like carry a box of wine like across (laughs) the restaurant. (laughs) I'm not a survivor. My family are like always on my case about going on MasterChef because I love cooking. Um, would you actually do it? Oh, I said the only way I would do it is if I had six months off before entering to like practice. <laughs> Surely there must be like a hardcore training before you go into those things. I don't know. Do you think? Well, it's yeah, it's strange. Sometimes I think how much goes on behind the scenes in terms of how much they're coached and how much. Like, when yeah, do they actually get told what the challenges are? Because they're so fast to come up with the ideas. I've been asked to do it, and I've just been too scared and too nervous. Oh, really? But I, I kind of secretly just want to do it so I can understand what's happening scenes. behind the scenes. But we've got some friends that have been on there. I know, we I should could ask just ask them. people. Yeah, yeah. That, but that's not as fun. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think needs to change to make the hospitality industry more gender-balanced? I don't think it's um, – the problem is not maybe a woman joining the industry. It's keeping them in there. Staying in yeah. the industry. Yeah. So um, employers are going to have to find a way to keep women when they're thinking about starting a family. And mm. I think that is the greatest barrier to seeing women through all the way their careers in hospitality is when they decide to have families. And it's notoriously unflexible and unrelenting if you want to have a baby and come back, you could easily come back and as a casual waiter or sommelier or I'm not sure about chef, but you could make it work for you. But if you want to be in a managerial position... Yeah, it's a tough one. I'm not sure. It's definitely not um, unique to this industry. I agree with that. That's true. What's the biggest lesson you've learned working at Fred's? I'm still learning it. Um, I'm learning how to manage people. Yeah, And I think I'm not going to stop learning for maybe ever. Um, It's been a pretty steep learning curve. I guess I've learned that you can't just have a management style and then apply that to your staff. You Mm. have to tailor your management to each and every member of staff. And it can be a bit of a minefield, but some people need more encouragement. Some people need to be pushed harder. I would say the same for me. It's not even so much the cooking or the food and you know it's all challenging but it's more the managing of people and figuring out how to inspire a team yeah I feel like before it was part of my job description it came quite naturally and easily to inspire people um and now that there's all this pressure to be inspiring it's like mental blank (laughs) you almost freeze up a bit more yeah which game of thrones character do you identify most strongly with I don't know if I identify with her, but I would like to identify with her, <laughs> is the, the Queen of Dragons. Of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> you? Yeah, I'm trying to think of the other female characters. There's the... Oh, the little girl's pretty badass, but I'm I'm not badass. <laughs> <laughs> yes, maybe the question is, what would other people say <laughs> you are? Character of Game of Thrones. Tell me about your most memorable meal. Um, my meal that I had at 
the French Laundry when I was um, just a stage there. I came in really naive, like really green, didn't know anything. And I remember asking for a booking like, you know, a few days away. And they were like, uh, <laughs> as in like Friday, this Friday, I was like, yeah. And <laughs> they looked at me like I was crazy. And I only really understood a few months later that that was absurd request. But they treated me like I was the most special person in the restaurant. And I think to someone who's like a kid and just starting out in this industry and really knew nothing about fine dining, it was such a mind-blowing experience like that. That's so nice because you know now in hindsight that there would have been some really important people in the restaurant. Exactly. and You probably weren't the most important person in the restaurant. So to make make you feel like that is really cool. First of all, persuaded me to go kind of head on into this industry because the experience was just so amazing and also the incredible importance of attention to detail in service the bill that was handwritten instead of like a you know printed receipt and just all these little touches that I think go above and beyond and I think that's where magic can happen in Mm. dining experiences thanks for listening to gourmet travelers set menu Our new look issue with a free restaurant guide is out now. If you like the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, leave us a rating or a review. It helps more people find us. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 